Let's do another Abraham story, okay? This one today is amazing. It's found in Genesis chapter 22. So let's read that. I'm going to read 1 through 19, and then we'll go back and look at the story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Well, there are two things that shock me about this amazing story. The first is that God would ask this of someone. And the second one, that they consider it. Attempt it today and you're going to jail. Carry it out and you'll get the electric chair. Consider it and they've got a nice padded cell for you. You'd be arrested for child abuse. Your son would be in therapy the rest of his life. 
Yet when we read this story, I don't know about you, but I'm inspired by the great faith of Abraham and by the willingness of Isaac. But we're surely glad that God doesn't ask this of us. Yet I want to tell you this morning that we serve the same God and he's not safe or tame. You better make sure that you really want to follow this God. This isn't a game we're playing here. You're in the big leagues now. Christianity will make a man or woman out of you. This is such a beautifully written story as well. We can picture the scene in our mind's eye. Can you see the two solitary figures trudging up the mountain? Do you you hear the, the wood splinter as Abraham chops it for the sacrifice? Do you see his upraised arm and the knife glistening in the noonday sun? We want to shout and cheer when his hand is stopped by God. And then we smell the burning flesh of the ram substitute because we identify with this story. We recognize it as our own because all of us have our Isaacs, that thing which is most important to us. You see, Isaacs are gifts from God, but they can easily become gods in our life. So they must die and be resurrected so God can give them back to us as gifts. Do you have an Isaac in your life? I'm thinking of the Jamara family. They literally have an Isaac in their life. But this is also God's story because God never asks something of us that he hasn't done first. I think there are some really identifiable principles in this story that we can apply to our lives. Let's look at a few. The first is expect tests. If you're a Christian, You should expect tests in your life. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. This is years later from where we last saw Abraham. And he could not have done this before this point, I think. God tests us when we're ready. He knew Abraham's faith was strong. So actually, if you're going through a really challenging test, why not think of it? This is a tribute to me from God because God knows I'm up for the challenge. It was only a test. Some of us can remember when our radios and TVs, when they were going to do a test. Remember the TV would have those wavy lines across it for like 60 seconds And and then the radio would have this static or buzz on it. And then you'd hear this voice. Had this been an actual emergency? We readers realize this is only a test. Abraham didn't. So expect tests. The Bible says, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to come upon you. But we all do. We think it's strange. We're surprised when it happens to us. But God allows trials in our lives to prove our faithfulness and loyalty to him and to build our character. But if we admit it, we don't really like tests. But the teachers keep giving them to us to prove that we really have mastered the material and that the teacher can see that he or she has taught the subject matter well. Some of us are old enough to remember taking tests in school, and we're so thankful that we don't have to take them anymore. Some of you, unfortunately, are still in that process of life where you're taking tests. I feel a little sorry for you, but us older folks, we're not off the hook either because life 
is one big test. Life is hard. There are tests in marriage, parenting, your health, your faith. Expect tests. But certainly Abraham's was unique and excruciating. Take your only son, Isaac. Your only son. What about Ishmael? Remember, he was already asked to be removed from the home and sent away. And the promise of God was not going to come through him. So Isaac was his only son now. And he lavished time and attention on him. He was everything to Abraham. Isaac was his very life. And then he heard the words, sacrifice him. Unthinkable. Mind-boggling. Think about your child. Could you do this? This contradicted everything God had promised. Genesis 21:12. But God said to him, "Do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned." How could he reconcile that promise of God with this command of God? He had to wait till he was 86 to have Ishmael. And then God said, cast him out. He had to wait till he was 100 to have Isaac. And now God is telling him to sacrifice him. He knew that God's covenant was going to be tied together in Isaac's life. And he would be destroying that. And by his own hand. How hard this was for Abraham. What about you? What are your dreams and hopes attached to your career? A solid financial stance. Good health, your looks, your kids. God has this wonderful plan for your life and we're all in on that. Yeah, I want that. But his wonderful plan isn't so that you can have a nice, easy, happy life. But to fulfill his purpose for your life. God said, go to the mountains of Moriah. That was about 50 miles away. It would later become Jerusalem. And we'll come back to Moriah a little bit in this story later. It's a very significant place. It's no accident that God told him, go there. A second principle that applies to our lives in this story is to obey. You see that in verses 3 and 4. Do what God tells you to do. He he may drop a word into your spirit. You may be reading something in the Bible and God's voice, God's spirit just quickens it to you. Yes, that's God's word to me. I must do that. Abraham had that word from God. And so he woke up quietly, Isaac and the two servants. He wasn't going to wake up Sarah because how was he going to tell her that? He would deal with her later. But he chose to obey. He cut the wood. He loaded the supplies on the donkey. He headed off. It was a three-day walk. Man, I can picture it. It must have been torture those three days. Did the four of them talk much? Or did it mostly, was it a silent walk? So much to think about while they were walking. Did I really hear God right? Maybe it was something I ate. Satan will do anything and everything to cause you not to obey God. He'll distract you, discourage you, whatever is in his arsenal. Ignore him. He's a liar. Abraham pushed on. He just obeyed. 
So that the message to us in this text is to obey God, even his hard word, even when you don't understand what you're doing. Thirdly, focus on God's promise by faith. Focus on God's promises by faith. Verses four and eight. He told the servants, stay here while the boy and I go up and worship. And then this is what really jumped out to me in reading this story again and again this week. He says, and we'll be back. Not I'll be back. We'll be back. Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews really captured this this sentiment of what Abraham must have been thinking. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham placed supreme confidence in God's promise. He believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead to fulfill his promise. That's how solid he was in believing God's word. And, and this is an amazing statement for Abraham to make. In the resurrection in the New Testament is much more common to us. It was just so unusual for an Old Testament believer to think that. And something else about Abraham He doesn't really question God. He's not bitter or resentful. He doesn't complain about it, or at least we have no record of it in the text. When Martin Luther's teenage daughter died, instead of complaining to God, he thanked God for the 13 years he had with her. He said, she brought me joy I wasn't entitled to. Look, parents, our kids aren't ours. They're God's. They're on loan to you for a season, but they're God's. Abraham could have said, no, God, I love Isaac more who I can see than a God I can't see. He was old. He might have wanted to spend his last years of life with his precious son, Isaac. He could have settled for an okay relationship with God and not go to the crazy level of commitment. But he wanted God more. Christians in India and China are sometimes asked by Christians who visit them. Hey, do you have casual Christians in your country? And and they laugh at that question. They think it's absurd. They said, no, no one can be a casual Christian here. Isaac carried the wood. Abraham carried the, the match or flint and the knife. And the two of them went up together. Can't you see the two of them? Walking that last part alone. And then Isaac asked his father about the sacrifice. That tells us that he didn't know. Abraham hadn't told him. It must have been strange to him to wonder, we're about to sacrifice an animal. There's no animal. Where's the animal? He never suspected that he was the sacrifice because he trusted his father. But I absolutely love Abraham's answer in verse 8. If you have your... Uh, Bible open or your, your phone open to the text. I just love verse eight. God himself will provide the lamb. And the King James version just switches the word order a little bit. It says God will provide himself. 
The symbolism just reaches out and grabs you time and time again in this text. The three-day walk. Isaac carried the wood and was the sacrificial lamb like Jesus. But I love Abraham's answer. It's a high point, maybe in the Bible, certainly in the Old Testament, that God himself will provide the lamb. God will provide himself. This is such a deep mystery of human faith and divine purpose, all fulfilled in Jesus. The fourth principle for us. God's promises lead to his provision. You can count on it. God's promises lead to his provision. Verses 9 through 16. Abraham believed God would provide, and he does. In verses 9 and 10, the narrative really slows down. Moses is a great storyteller, and he builds the momentum. He says that Abraham built an altar. Abraham had been building altars all across the promised land, but this one was the hardest to build. Then it says he bound his son. Now, I know what the pictures I saw in the children's Bibles when I was growing up. This little toddler boy, Isaac, was about to be sacrificed, right? I don't know if you picture a kid about six years old. Well, Josephus, the famous Jewish historian of the first century, said Isaac was 25. In fact, that word boy or lad in the King James translation gives that particular Hebrew word gives a a time frame between the ages of 12 and 30. So he wasn't a little toddler. He wasn't a little tiny boy. He was at least a teenager. Now, here are my thoughts, and it's just a theory. I think he was either 17 the age in which he sent Ishmael away, or 30, which was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But probably closer to 17. So work with me now on him being 17 years old. 17-year-old and 117-year-old dad. Could he not have easily outran his father and got away? Could not he easily have overpowered his 117-year-old father and gotten away? But he didn't. He doesn't offer any resistance at all in the text. He was willing to be bound. He was a willing sacrifice, a silent sufferer. His part here is so beautiful, just like Jesus. Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will. But as you will. May this prayer of Jesus be the prayer on our lips as we live each and every day. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Even if I must suffer and die for you, Lord. But the idea of sacrificing your son, I know it's impossible for us modern folks to wrap our brains around that. But it wasn't hard to imagine that at all then. It was a common practice in the culture in which Abraham was sojourning in that country of the Canaanites. They sacrificed their children to appease the gods so they would have a good harvest. But has not America in some ways become like Canaanite culture through the practice of abortion by convenience, sacrificing our children on the altar? This place is called the Mountains of Moriah. Later, 
David would buy this part of land, this piece of land. And Solomon would erect a temple on it, Mount Zion, where God's presence on earth would dwell, where Jesus was crucified near this spot, maybe this exact spot. It was a holy place to God. Abraham raises the knife. We close our eyes. We can't look. But the execution doesn't happen. God himself announces a stay of execution for Isaac. Abraham hears God's voice again. The test is over. He passed with flying colors. He gets an A plus. He proved that he loved God more than even his own son. Did he not see the ram before caught in the thicket? No matter. He quickly offers it as a sacrifice and says, God provides Jehovah Jireh. The Hebrew and Latin providio means God sees. God sees about you. God will take care of you. God sees your need today and meets it in his son. Someone said when God's work is done his way, he will never lack God's supply. And God isn't obligated to bless my projects, only his. God knew that Abraham loved him supremely, and that's what he wants from you. He may ask you to suffer for him. He may ask you to give up your Isaac for him. But let me tell you this morning, he's worth it. And fifthly, God really blesses the obedient. Verses 17 through 19. In verse 17, the text says, I will surely bless you. This means really bless you. Big time bless you. You receive God's approval. You receive your Isaac back as a gift. And you have a new understanding of God's name and character and a deeper love for him. And if you're Isaac standing there, you saw with your own eyes this ram sacrificed in your place. He was spared. This ram died. Substitutionary atonement, great doctrine of the New Testament. And it's true for us, too. Someone died in our place. Isaac received a stay of execution. Jesus didn't. There was no ram caught in the thicket for him. Whips rained down blow after blow on his bare back. Crown of thorns was beaten into his scalp. The hammer fell. Thud after thud as the nails went into his flesh and he was raised up on a cross against a black sky and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken by God. Cursed. Why would God do that to his own son? Because he really meant the promise to Abraham that through Abraham and his descendants, the whole world would be blessed. Because a future descendant of Abraham would come who would be this eternal sacrifice and would give us eternal life through his death on the cross. Because he loves us that much. It's so much easier to admire Abraham than emulate him. So what will we do in our hour of testing? Are we willing to offer up? Our ambition, success, money, name, child to God. What's your 
Isaac this morning? And are you willing to lay it down for him? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us this morning. If there's something in us, even a gift from you, a good thing that has become more than that, has become a God in our life. May we lay it down this morning, even here while we're just contemplating this in prayer. Whatever it is, Lord, we give it to you. Help us afresh to see that you are truly our all in all. As Pastor Dave said, there's no one like Jesus. Nothing we could ever have in our life compares to him. And he's offered himself freely. And if there's someone here this morning at the sound of my voice that has never really surrendered your life to Jesus as Savior, and you're ready to make a commitment to Christ, I want to just make it easy for you. If you're ready this morning, just to raise your hand. Is there anyone here in this congregation that wants to make that first-time commitment to Christ? Anyone need to make that decision today? Lord, help us to continually give up ourselves to you. Not my will be done, but your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and pray.